Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Find and Follow podcast. We hope you're doing great today. Whether you're mowing the lawn, you're doing some work, uh, you're on the treadmill, whatever you're doing, we hope you uh, are listening in to find and follow Jesus in your everyday life. I'm Scott, your host, joined by co-host Craig and Kyle. Glad to have you guys back at the HQ, ready to have another week of helping people through the old podcast format. Good to be here. I missed being here last week. Yeah. Well, Jesse did a good job, uh, you know, in the rotation. We're like a baseball team. We got guys that come off the bench. We've got a guest on next week. It'll be super fun. I was just in the shower this morning going, man, we need a guest. I'm tired of listening to us. We got to get somebody else in here. (laughs) But you don't even, (laughs) you only listen to us in real time. Why would I listen to us again after I was a part of it? Sometimes I do. Yeah, that's true. I do too. For quality yeah. control checking, and I and then I laugh at my own jokes sometimes. Oh, wow. Is that okay? You, no, you would. <laughs> that, that I completely. Why not? You, mean, you laugh at him not right just now. In, I know. Like, not just in the moment, but yeah, when you listen say, to you it again, yourself, you laugh a second time. It. The 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 <laughs> thing is, I'm just trying to make myself laugh. So that's the point of them. Keep going, <laughs> and I think they're funny. So I just keep doing it. I'm not always doing it. Really, for the other people, just for me. No, we sometimes got, sometimes it shows. You know that you're not doing it for the other people. <laughs> That's great. I, I'm glad you're listening along. Yep. Happy to have We're you here aboard. In your little world, just, <laughs> just holding on. No, it's gonna be good. We got a get. We got a couple guests lined up, scheduling it out. Um, a retired guy gonna be on. So we'll have another retired, two retired guys being on the podcast. It'll be good. Let's we'll see if people can figure that one out. There's lots of retired people in, in the world. Yeah. So recently retired person. A recently retired yes. person. All right. So, anyways, uh, but we're jumping in here. Um, we're talking about faith today, and is we're just singing a song. I don't know if that'll be in the intro part or don't not. Don't put that in the intro. Don't put it. Kyle and I were singing. We're in different keys. I think. I think I was in six different keys. Yeah. As I was singing. I don't have a key. Uh, is Jesus the same Jesus when he's given a message, a sermon, a talk? And uh, when you see him like backstage, you know, so we we always are intrigued by that famous people, people that with uh, more of a platform. And then you hear a lot of times, oh, that dude, he's the same on camera as he is off camera. Like he's the same guy. You know what I mean? The famous people. And then you hear the other stories. You mean mean like Justin Bieber who's been in the news recently because he's had a really difficult time? No. You catch me up that? on the beep news. You are in I the beep headline. To, you just, just happen to catch who's it. Who's almost in another uh, decade category. You're almost 70. Watch it now. Watch it. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Not only on thin ice, you're falling through into really well, cold Well, we were water. just talking about it uh, at Silverwood on Saturday. I was like, yep. it's kind of, I was like, do you think it's weird you're almost 70? I do think it's weird. I'm I, about a month away. I said out loud to myself as I was thinking about your birthdays coming up in, yeah, 30 days or so. I was like, I got to tell people, like, yeah, my dad is... In the seventies, that's it's weird sounding. Anyway, it is weird. What's up with the Biebs? Uh, well, he just <laughs> he was just talking about how he went through some serious depression and real personal struggles, and he didn't get into a lot of detail. But what I did note about him in this interview was that he was very outspoken about his relationship with Jesus, and just talking about the fact that his faith in Jesus and trusting Him and the help that Jesus gave him was the only reason he was making it through a very difficult time. So, yeah, Justin Bieber on stage doing his thing is one thing, but the real guy is actually going through a hard time and, and has apparently gone through a hard time. I don't know the details, but, yeah. You're not sending him a DM about, like, no. No, he, what's happening? Yeah, well, that's he, great. That he, I mean, it's, as he's being transparent and then just talking yeah. about his faith in God is what's getting him through life. Um, Maybe he'd be a guest on the podcast. I'll shoot him a message. <laughs> okay. I did shoot him a message one time. For Ben Sharkey's sake. Mm-hmm. Do you remember oh, this, Kyle? Yes. He sent a tweet? Uh, no, I think he, it was a direct message. I on, think it was his Facebook. account. You could send him one on the Instagram, I think. Oh, yeah. But yeah, what was it for? Well, oh, it was know. when Ben left, when we were saying goodbye and we were putting oh, it together some stuff. Right. I was like, how cool would that be? I mean, he wouldn't ever do it, but you got to ask. So I asked. In that video thing, you had a picture of just or a video of Justin Bieber and you dubbed in. What did what did you do? You dubbed in somebody's words, or we? I no, can't that, remember. No, that, that was that for was Tiger Kyle. Woods. Tiger. Oh, Woods. that was Tiger Woods for Kyle. Yeah. And then we did it for a bumper one time. Is that what Russell it was? Wilson? Russell Wilson. There you remember go. that? Yeah. And yep, we just yep. dubbed over his. Yeah. No, I didn't dub over Tiger Woods. 
Tiger. <laughs> he said that. Yeah, and Kyle, press Kyle believed that in the moment, and he still believes that. Yep. It was actually Tiger Woods. I met Tiger Woods. It's okay. We're, we're buddies. Okay, so you, you met Tiger. How is he the same guy on camera as he is off camera? Uh, he said the words thank you to me. So, I mean, I'm sure okay. he says that on camera at times, too. <laughs> the real intimate interaction I had. Yeah. We, we've, I don't know how many, how many other encounters have you guys had? People listening in. Maybe you've met somebody that was more famous, and then you met them, and they were a little bit different in a good way uh, than they were maybe on screen or more polite or I don't know. Just we kind of get intrigued by the the famous people. And are they the same person, the persona? Are they really that generous? Like they put this vibe out there and they say these words, but then, oh, I ran into them and they were rude and I saw them at Chipotle and they were, you know, whatever, right? So that's where we kind of left off last week is like Jesus, the same dude, up on the mountain, giving the talk in front of the huge crowd, making a scene as he is with the individual one-on-one and like, hey, I don't have time for you and you're lowly and I just want the big crowds and be famous? Or is he going to be serving and helpful and actually do the things he said that you should do? Yeah. And, and I I think it's kind of a rhetorical question because obviously he's the same guy. He's, he's got integrity, but I'm I'm glad we're pointing that out because that's actually the teaching he left off with. He talked about building your house on the sand or the rock and you know, if you if you if you say you believe these things and do them, it goes well. And if you say you believe them and don't do them, it doesn't go so well. So obviously, he's going to be the guy who says the stuff and does the stuff. Mm-hmm. You you ran into uh, Chuck Charles Barkley. I did when I was probably middle school, and you got his autograph, and I then I had that forever. Which I'm st- still not. I don't get autographs as a thing, but. I had it, kept it yep. with the ba- with the baseball and basketball card box. You guys were at a. We were in. We we flew into Sacramento for a conference, and checked into our hotel. And they were checking in the, the. He's probably with the Suns at that point. Yeah, Phoenix and Suns? they were playing. Is it Sacramento the King, Kings? Kings, yeah. So they were all in the lobby, and it's like there's a bunch of really tall dudes. Oh, that's Charles Bar. That's the basketball. And I went over and just said, "Hey, my son likes basketball. He's into it." Any chance I could get an autograph, and he did. And he autographed. I don't remember what it you was. You don't remember? It no. was, you, the only thing you had was your name badge. Oh. And it was the era of, it was like a plastic holder, and then they slipped a piece of paper in that. And it was. <laughs> Is that uh, what I did? Oh, yeah. It was like three <laughs> three by five card size almost. I mean, it was very large. And so you had slipped out the thing, and it was on your Craig Lang hands, like Spokane Valley Foursquare Church, you know, title, <laughs> senior pastor, and there was Chuck right next to that signature. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't remember that part. Well, I do, because I saw it in the cart, the box all the time. I was like, oh, there's Chuck and my dad on the <laughs> signatures on the same one. Super great. Um, so have you, besides Tiger Woods, have you met anybody else that you're like, oh, who, you saw uh, – uh, Coolio. Coolio on the yeah, plane. I, didn't, I, say, I that. didn't have any interaction with him. Coolio, we've talked about, you know, when we were valets, I, I valeted Pete Rose's Porsche. Talked to him for like two seconds. Yeah. Nothing crazy. Right. All these encounters are so brief. I've yeah, had a few I, of those, but never like an extended no, get to know somebody. That's why they always like, like, are they really the same person? Now, is a ride in an elevator an extended 20 story? seconds? No. Well, what if it's a really tall building in L.A. and I'm on the elevator with Dr. Yonggi Cho from the biggest church in South Korea? Come on. Did you have a conversation? Uh, You're trying to get some credit Yeah, what here. floor are you getting off on? <laughs> uh, what button would you like me to push for? <laughs> okay, thanks. Okay. That's what they always talk about. Hey, like, have a good day. <laughs> like servers in L.A. or something like that, you know, at restaurants or a bartender who go, yeah, I, I served this person one time. The question always is, well, were they a good customer? Right, were they polite? Were they rude? You know, because a lot of those, you know, a lot of famous people or people they have an entourage or whatever, and they're maybe a little bit entitled, and so then this, these servers always have this, you know, oh, well, no, they were terrible. They were rude. They, you know, they didn't say thank you. Those types of like deeper interactions where I got a little bit more of their personality. I think for us, most of the time, most of my encounters are, hey, can I have your autograph? Or hey, it's nice to meet you. Or hey, what's up? Yeah. Right. Rather than like, hey, you want to go out to a meal together and like sit down and actually like talk about life? I've never had that with anybody quote unquote famous. But I'm also like weirded out by our infatuation with famous people. Like, it why it is we, a weird thing. The yeah. Celebrity culture to me is like, why do we celebrate some people? Because they're good at acting or they're good at singing? I don't know. I think more people need to be celebrated. 
and we should desire intimacy and a depth of relationship with those people, not just this fandom of celebrity culture. I don't quite get it. Speaking of elevator rides, I had, I had an interesting <laughs> one. <laughs> Back to me speaking. Nobody else is speaking of elevator Kyle rides. Was, Kyle was taking us somewhere really good, and you're like, oh, so uh, elevator. Like, you know, this idea of infatuation. But, yeah, we are intrigued by the people who can shoot, I, yeah, like, I commented shoot the ball, hit saying. the ball. Yeah, oh, I, I Tiger Woods wants so many joke. masters, right? That kind of stuff. Like, it's, it's intriguing. You know, and then most of them just want to be normal people. And think about the, the social pressure. And Jesus felt that everywhere he went, he drew a crowd. Oh, all the time, constantly. Every time you go as a more famous person, even if you're like locally famous, like if a Mark Few goes out in Spokane to a restaurant, you know people know you, and you don't know how many people know you, but everybody's watching, they're paying attention, they're watching as a server, like, is he going to tip good? And then, because that server's going to talk to everybody else. Like, all of that pressure is like, was he like, rude response to his wife in the moment you know what i mean just they just want to be normal like be able to be themselves and not be noticed go to the grocery store that's why they always put on the hat and the glasses and like try to be incognito so but jesus is is that way and we're gonna we get insight into his private life and public life as his disciples are recording some things that just jesus and a couple of guys or a one-on-one conversation is recorded so um we do get to know is jesus the same guy and he is craig you gave us the spoiler alert. He is the same guy with integrity. I, I don't um, think that's a spoiler. I think everybody okay. listening knew that already. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's funny where people's relationship go, but yeah, is God holding out on me? Does God's, you know, is there a catch here? Is is this grace thing really true? I'm waiting for something else to like pop up. And you're like, no, it's all right here. You're like, yeah, but I don't, I don't really believe it. Um, and we're going to jump into, I want to jump into faith like, through chapter eight, it just I think Matthew starts in with this. These first faith two stories and faith are and faith yeah. and faith and this confidence in God. Do we have this trust in God? And we can talk about what faith is and stuff. But you really want to tell us another elevator story? Um, Go for it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us. What do you got? Uh, well, uh, Dwayne Hagedon, Coeur d'Alene Resort. Have I told this story in the podcast? I, it stopped me if I have. I, I don't uh, know it. I was with I was with some friends of ours uh, over in at the resort in Coeur d'Alene, and we were going up the elevator to Beverly's just to, just to ride the elevator and look around. We weren't going to eat there, but we got on the elevator there, and um, as we had approached the elevator, we'd walk by this grand piano in the lobby, and somebody was actually playing it, and it's like, oh, that sounds so nice. And at that time, this is many years ago, at that time, uh, my worship leader really wanted a grand piano on the platform, just like, oh, that would be so awesome, but they were too expensive, and we didn't have one. Kind of the, you know, the, the thing you, it was on the, on the dream list, right, for, for the church at that time. So I just, I noticed the grand piano and I said, oh yeah, that, it, wouldn't we love to have that at the church? And my friends agreed. And so we're still talking about it as we get onto the elevator. And I said, you know, here they've got a baby grand just sitting in the lobby and somebody plays it once in a while, but not all the time. Wouldn't that be great if the church had that? Dwayne Hagedon ought to just gift that to us. He could afford it. He could replace that 10 times over. He should just give us that piano. And I noticed that I was the only one talking, and, and the elevator stopped at a floor, and the other people on the elevator got off. And then my friend told me that standing with us in the elevator was Dwayne Hagedon. And I had no idea that it was him. And I can't imagine what his version of that story is. Oh, yeah, I was on this on the elevator with this idiot who thought I should give him a piano. <laughs> and then he was like, okay, you get the piano. <laughs> and a piano for you and a piano for you. He just wrote you a check right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there there's story. probably been a few people in his life that are trying to spend his money. I'm sure uh, there throughout have been. The, the yep. years, the decades. So that's, you probably weren't the first one. He nope. probably, probably wasn't numb to it. It's like, here's another guy who's trying to tell me what to do with my, <laughs> my you know, money and hotel and yep. all my assets. Yeah, it's easier to spend other people's money. It's super, mm. super easy. So uh, let's jump in here. Matthew 8, Jesus, we kind of started it last time on the podcast, uh, coming down the mountainside. And I love how the guy with leprosy came and knelt before him. And we just wrapped up a series called King and just talking about Jesus as king as one of those, one of those, what's the, what's the right term on that? One of those attributes one of those, one of the understandings that Jesus is is creator, he's king, he's friend, he's Lord, he's savior, he's provider, he's peace, he's love. 
Like, what, what do you help me out here? I feel like ignoramus. What, what do you call that? Keep going. Yeah, you're figuring it out. <laughs> you guys are just letting me drown over here. I appreciate it. <laughs> Anyways, my point is, I love his physical posture. And we maybe are, you know, cruising by that a little too quick. But the guy was in need and came and knelt before him. This humbled posture, physical posture of like, I'm going to kneel before you. You're king. You're capable, Lord. And then if you're willing, make me clean. Like he had a confidence in God, I think. I think he was speaking from, you're able to, Do you, will you? Yeah. I think there's no question he has faith. He, he's convinced, absolutely. And he has a reason to be convinced because there apparently has been some miracles already by this time um, that, that he's probably witnessed or at least heard about. So he's convinced that, that the Lord has the ability, but he doesn't know if the Lord's willing. And I think that's a place that a lot of us find ourselves. Um, you know, sometimes we're not convinced he can, but, but more often, at least in my own experience, I know that he can. I just don't know if he's willing Whatever it is that I'm, you know, asking of him. Mm-hmm. So I just I loved his physical posture. I think that's something I try to practice in my own life and do. It's just that that literally kneeling is before my king, and yeah. it humbles. The physical posture helps my heart get more engaged. Yeah. When we we uh, sometimes under under emphasize maybe or undervalue the physical posture, like. Like when we sing and you raise your hands, maybe you're listening. You're like, "Yeah, all those people that got questions all the time." Like that is a you know <laughs> sign of surrender. It's a stick them up. You know, it's a full surrender. It's a uh, it it changes things. It does. And when we don't think it does, mm, like we're again we're missing it. Even the it position the of our head. So if we're standing or sitting and our head's kind of looking down and you know, but then if we lift our head and look up, it it opens up something in our hearts or spirits it's interesting and yeah. very real connection between the posture of the body and what's going on in our heart yeah and i think like historically you know you look all throughout these cultures and history of of this you know the kingdoms and kings and, and lordship and the way you would posture yourself in front of a king i think even nowadays there's some cultures where bowing and the sign of reverence is still more of a thing i think of a lot of Asian cultures that they show this. I'm bowing to you. I'm showing that I, you know, I don't have any ill will against you, uh, as a sign of greeting or a sign of thanks and all this kind of stuff. That I think again, Scott, we underemphasize and undervalue like how important that is. I think of you know, like even uh, in the United Kingdom, they still knight people, and it's I'm going to get on my knee before you because I, I'm humbling to you, but then you are showing me a sign of respect and. I mean, I even think with, with my dog, right, training my dog, I had to teach her that I'm dominant. I thought you were saying, and I bow before my dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, my dog bows before me. Okay, okay. Right? Like, no, but like, Either think, way, it's a pretty good trick. I think, uh, I think like, the animal <laughs> kingdom gets it, right? They make themselves big and scary or uh, play dead or, or, or bow. Like, I'm not a threat, right? So, like, you think of a smaller creature would just, hey, don't, don't attack me. I'm not a threat. And how significant that is, even in, in this subconscious level of an animal with a small brain gets like i'm big like i'm i'm towering over you or the opposite in this huge massive i think even psychologically let alone spiritually i mean spiritually is a huge obviously big element but even psychologically what it does to our mind and posturing ourselves in this way and when we understand that before our god and how that works with other people i mean it's it's yeah i think a lot of times we don't think there's a lot of people that do think more about their body language and in conversation, but I think the vast majority of us undervalue. I think about it all the time now when I'm just like, I find it when I'm like ordering food or standing in line somewhere, like crossing my arms. And I'm like, sometimes I just think like, I look so grumpy mm-hmm. and angry yeah. and frustrated right now. And I'm not. Your resting face is a little yeah, bit. Right? <laughs> What's going and on I'm there? Like, Am I communicating to this person across like, you're taking too long. I'm mad at you. I'm angry. And like, I'll try to think like, Hey, uncross your arms right now. Hey, unfurl your brow like try to like look happy even if you're not or you're tired right mm-hmm. yeah because it's communicating a ton yeah yeah and we've as a culture this is something that is accepted and celebrated you can get some great bumper stickers now to, to show how opposed you are to the political view and it's like f that person and a middle finger thing and we're 
you you can still have a disagreement with politics and policies and what's happening, but still have a respect and an honor for the position and the person. And we don't think those two can exist, and so we got to go. Well, it's I disagree, and so I'm gonna f, and then I'm gonna have a middle finger bumper sticker, and you know I'm gonna be at a rally doing those same postures and doing the same thing, and then think that's not gonna affect my spirit or my heart, and it's not gonna poison me because it's really gonna communicate the message, and it's gonna change that person, and it's gonna change the politics of my country. Yeah. And I'm like. A couple, ah, couple of years ago, I was in Thailand for 12 days, and uh, one of the first things they told us when we got in, in country, they, the people that were heading up this um, team said, everywhere you go, you're going you're gonna to do this. And they put your two hands together, just below your, just right about on your chin, and bow your head and say, and it was, if I remember correctly, Sawadee Ka or something like that. And everywhere we went, people did that. I mean, just total strangers in public places. When you went into somebody's home, you went into a church, you went into any kind of a building. Even sometimes you pass people on the street all the time. I just found myself doing this. And uh, in fact, even uh, currently, I'm on Zoom calls with the guy who heads up Think Small's ministry in Thailand. And sometimes we get on the Zoom call and I go, and he'll go like this, because it just is natural. It's like saying hello you yeah. know, or waving. It's just respect for its acknowledgement of the fact that another human being is there and you're just you know yeah. humbly acknowledging them and that's so valuable i i try that's to be great. i try to be that guy we're out and about all the time walking our dog taking a run riding my bike and i try to do the i do especially when we're walking and it's neighbors i do a lot of hi Good morning. I see you. You're across People the street. People who are listening can't see your very I'm raising hand my hand waving right now. Um you on my bicycle, narrate? you know, riding my bike through, and I see other bikers or people walking. And you try not to, the walkers try not to scare them because sometimes you're coming in quick, going around them, and you're like, hey, you know, like that. And they're like, oh. There's a special <laughs> and way. They jump into a for, bush. <laughs> there's a different way for fellow bikers, though, right? They get a special. That's motorcycles. <laughs> you don't wave differently to your biker friends? No. Those are different like, bikers. You guys make eye contact. Like we're we're together. We're in this together. If I'm breathing hard and you like doing a hard part, you know, you kind of just give the head nod acknowledgement because that's all I can manage at that point. Um, so back to the guy with leprosy. Back to the guy with leprosy. I just think again, we can blow by the he knelt. Yeah, that's good. I, mean, we, I don't know how long we've been on that portion, but he knelt, and then Jesus says he's willing, and he he clean cleans them, he cleanses them, he heals them, he restores them back. And then I love the part where he gives a, the prescription, which was required by the law of Moses, to go present yourself to the doctor who could approve you, which was the priest who could sign off on the, you're clean to participate in society. It was, go get a COVID test 72 hours before you could come on this plane That's or how enter. It was. And we kind of understand that, like, you can't go to that event or that function or get on a plane if, unless you were negative COVID tested. You were out. And so he was out, out. Yeah, so. in fact, um, leprosy was so highly contagious and such a problem at that time in the culture that le lepers had to isolate themselves from the rest of the population. And if the rest of the population, if anybody from th that was not uh, stricken with leprosy got anywhere near them, they were, they were required to call out, unclean, unclean, to warn you not to get any closer to them. And so I think that's significant that when Jesus chooses to heal him, what he does is touches him. And, and that's the last thing anybody in that day and age would want to do with somebody who had leprosy. You don't want to touch them for obvious reasons. You're going to get leprosy yourself, and it's a death sentence and, and a long and painful prolonged death at that. And, and Jesus just reaches out and touches him. And I think that's such a great picture of how Jesus is with sinners, because our sin is like spiritual leprosy, and yet he reaches out and he touches us. And the beautiful thing about Jesus' touch here is that instead of the leprosy going from the man to Jesus, the opposite happens. Healing, health, life goes from Jesus to the man. And that, that's such a great picture of how our relationship with him works. Yeah, that's... I mean, that bears repeating. I've spoken a message on that before that we should spend the whole podcast on on just that one point that we don't miss. When you get connected to God, everything that's holy and good and clean and right transfers from God to us and not our junk to him. And we get that mixed up and backwards. I was just having a conversation 
with somebody this week about baptism and their desire to get baptized, but then a little bit of that underlying nervousness, which is for everybody. But wait, once I get baptized, what if I screw up again? What if my perfection, and we kind of have that backwards, like I'm coming to God to bring my perfection, and then if I get baptized, I got to stay 100%. Got to keep it clean. Yeah. Yep. But it's not our good works that get us right with God, nor is it our good works that keep us right with God. One so. of the most helpful things on, that's such an important topic you're touching on, because a lot of people that's like, okay, I come to faith in Christ, all my past sins are forgiven, isn't that awesome? But then going forward, like, okay, what about the sin? Oh, what about the fact that I keep having this sin? Oh, wait a minute, now I must be at the limit of his forgiveness. And we just, we struggle with that sometimes in, in real um, heart-wrenching ways. And one of the most helpful things I ever heard on that subject was, um, somebody pointed this out. They said, when Jesus died on the cross, how many of your sins were future? And the answer, of course, is all of them. So when he died for your sins, he died for all of them, not just the ones before you came to Christ or the ones up to the present moment, but the future sins are you know, going to be a problem. No, he died for all of our sins. He knew all of the sin we'd commit from birth to death, and he paid the price for all of it. We're forgiven for all of those things, past, present, and future, and it's a done deal. And, and that, it sounds too good to be true, but it is true. It's the nature of grace. It's such an awesome thing. And then for the people that are really thinking, they're like, Craig, what about the people who live before Christ? It was their past sins. And we've talked about that before. God lives outside of time. Jesus died for everyone before the creation of the world. Yep. Because he, God doesn't exist in a linear earthbound timeline. Correct. And so when Jesus died... You should read First Peter. I forget what chapter it's in there. Four, three, pick a number. Uh, preaching to the to the people who were dead, but in waiting. They were in Abraham's bosom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in waiting to hear the gospel mm-hmm. and the the coverage of the cross is for all time, yep. not just from that point forward. Yep. But to your point, yeah. In my perspective, which ones are past, present, or future? Ah, they were all. They were all future. Yep. When the decision was made, he was the lamb. Revelation says the lamb who was slain from before the foundation of the world. So and that before goes, God created anything, it's like, okay, this is how this is going to go. And so Jesus is like, I'll go and be the sacrifice. And that goes back to, I think, this theme that Matthew's really hitting on, this faith, confidence in God. And all these stories are, are about Jesus' um, acknowledging people's faith and lack of faith. And it's just this trust in God. I love Hebrews 10. I just read through Hebrews personally, and I was like, man, this is such, it's so good on so many levels. Um, but Hebrews 10, 35, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to preserve so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. I think that's persevere, not preserve. Oh, sorry. Per- preserve. You need to persevere. Yeah. I was going to preserve it, too, with some jam and some jelly. Persevere. Thanks. Um, I don't even know I said that. I was reading along. But anyways, this don't throw away this confidence, this trust in God that... Hang in there. But all my... To your point, all of my sins are forgiven. Past, present, future, like everything, because it's not a works-based system with God. It's a works-based only because he did a great work, and we get to take advantage of that and jump in on that. And um, that our faith... Verse 11, 1 is the familiar one. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And cert, cert, that certainty, that confidence mm-hmm. is faith. Confidence that my sins are forgiven, that I'm made righteous with God because of the work of Jesus on the cross, and I have new life in him through the resurrection. Um, and I didn't see that event, but I have confidence in it. I have confidence because the Spirit's in me, and I have a confidence of a faith in the full completion of that where we're one day made completely perfect and without sin and in heaven with Christ um, and all that is true and and it's it's going to be a daily struggle a battle like I don't know but I, the repetition of this sin is getting me yeah and so maybe I'm maybe I'm out of God's grace on this one and I'm on my own my own efforts like no come on have confidence don't throw away your confidence uh, preserve it so you can persevere <laughs> No, I tried to. Or, I tried to regroup on it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, can we go back to the leper? I got a question that I'd like to digest with you guys. 
Um, the do, do questions get digested? Um, sure. If you're trying to preserve it. Yeah. Uh, Jesus does this frequently, and I would like to know your thoughts on why he says like to the leper, hey, don't go tell anyone. Does this amazing thing for him, changes his life. You know, it's it's what Jesus does. Dead things come into life. This guy's, you know, his. I think about everything in this guy's life that would have changed. Not only his health, but his freedom. He was a slave to this disease in society. He was an outcast. He couldn't talk to people. He couldn't have friends. He couldn't go to social gatherings. Uh, his whole life was dictated by this disease and the parameters about what that meant for him. And Jesus just changed it. You know he's going to want to go tell every shout from the mountaintops. This dude changed my life. Go tell it from the mountain. Yep. And Jesus is like, hey, don't, don't tell anyone. Just go do the thing everywhere. that you're supposed to do. Like Scott said, go do the ritual things, get right, and then go on with your life. Why did Jesus do that? Ready, discuss. I think you should ask Jesus. <laughs> I think there's several reasons. Um, one, maybe he was just making sure that this guy didn't get distracted and say, "Hey, don't just don't start going telling everybody. Like, go through the right process so you're restored to community properly." Jesus is aware. He's gonna tell people. He's gonna go show himself to the priest and get the negative test, and then he can go home. He can go back to work. Be part of the community. They're they're gonna be aware. Like, Bill, how'd you you're clean? Ah, I'm clean. How did that happen? Jesus. So I think that's maybe part of it. Maybe the other part is Jesus knows there's gonna be so much public fanfare and um, the word will get out because it does. When Jesus showed up, like everybody from that town, anybody with needed a healing, you know, disease. Um, so maybe Jesus is just trying to minimize the publicity so that his uh, message of the kingdom of God is here is not um, overshadowed by him being a miracle worker and just performing all this great stuff for people. I don't know. There's a couple different. Yeah, I tend to think that that's it, that the second part. And I think the second thing that you said has multiple facets. One, for, for the, the things that you hit on, he doesn't want to attract attention for the wrong reasons, for the fact of... He's got a bigger message that he's he's focused on. Um, that this is a part of it and the, the power. But I think the bigger message is that the kingdom of God has come, and that's Matthew's point, and that Jesus wants to focus on that, not just you know I, I've come for the sick, but not the sick that you think in the fact of just a leprosy thing, but for the sickness of your souls and the sin the sin that's there. Um, so I I think that's part of it. And the second part is, hey, I'm not done yet. And the more people that are going to come, the more people are going to get angry. And on and towards the future of my ministry, go tell people because I know that... The hater's going to hate. Yeah, eventually they're going to arrest me and kill me, but I'm I'm not ready for that yet. Um, so there is a little bit of this, um, I don't know, waiting for this this turmoil that's bubbling before he like lets it explode in his timing to go, okay, it's time now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm ready to accept what... Yeah, and one of the things that happened in the haters hating was it just drove Jesus to um, be a little more sub, um, secretive, not secretive. I don't know what word I'm... Covert. He would, a little covert. He was outside the town a little bit more. Mm-hmm. He would he delayed coming to the festival. Yep. Um, just so it would hamper his ministry if that escalation yep. of opposition... I think, I think that's probably rose. the primary reason. Yep. He's just trying to keep the commotion, the... The, the crowd's uh, celebrity, starstruck sort yep. of thing uh, from happening oh, any more the than... Oh, is here. Oh. Back to Beaver. Yep, nope. Um, <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I think that's the primary reason. Because that, you know, he says over and over, um, my time has not yet come. My time, you know, it's not yet time. Uh, he knew it wasn't yet his time. A couple of times people came and they wanted to make him king. They wanted to, like, let's let's do this. Let's make it happen. Nope, not time. And it... It was like verse sixteen. Um, I don't know that we don't know the timeline on this, but he just healed Peter's mother-in-law, and, and then verse sixteen, uh, chapter eight. When evening came, many who were demon possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases, and so many people, you know, already early on. Uh, demon-possessed were brought to him 
And I think we got more demon possession and oppression going on than we realize uh, in our culture uh, today. But if we could maybe move forward to the, the faith of this Roman guy, mm-hmm. the, the Roman soldier, and uh, to this theme of faith and this confidence and this trust in things unseen, I love it. And Jesus commends him. This guy, um, his servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering was the issue. And Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. And the centurion replied, I don't need, deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. And this guy's a military guy, so he understands uh, the, the authority of command mm-hmm. and how that goes. And when a commander says, go, you go. And when a sergeant says, do this, you know, I don't know all the the rankings. I was trying to sergeant trying private. To pretend like you did know, but captain. you don't know. I know a few of general, you know. I just don't <laughs> just know. Lieutenant, I don't know where lieutenant fits. Anyways, I'm very curious about all of that. I think it's fun and fascinating. But anyways, he just says, I understand it. I don't even need you to come because you're a man of super authority. You got this kingship thing going on. He says, you just say it and it'll happen. And, and the reason that he points that out is because he recognizes something in Jesus's life. The NIV doesn't quite make it as clear, but the, some of the other translations do. In verse 9, he says, for I myself am a man under authority. I too know what you're experiencing. I live with the same dynamics as a military man that I see going on in your life. What is he observing? He's observing the fact that Jesus is one under authority. He's under the Father's authority. And and Jesus points that out numerous times. He says, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. I don't say anything unless I hear the Father saying it. I didn't come to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. I mean, there's numerous quotes. Jesus is someone under authority, and that's why he had such great authority flow out of his life. And he has people under his authority, like this guy does. He's, I have servants, slaves, they just do what I say. Maybe, I don't know if this is true, maybe the you know, centurion saw other people kneeling before, like the guy with leprosy, kneeling before Jesus and going, hey, King Jesus. And then there's the disciples, of course. They're under his authority. Correct. The he had, 12. Yeah, he had a crew. Yep. Um, and in, in another sense, all of us are under his authority, right? Today, I mean, in Matthew 28, it says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. So he's got it all. Nobody else has any authority. It's all his. So we're all under his authority in that sense. But yeah. And Jesus uh, was just astonished, like amazed, um, just wowed he, by this he guy's really is. response. And uh, said he has not found anyone in Israel with such great faith, which is, is a slam to all the Israelites, right? It is. There's but, only a couple of occasions, uh, only a handful of occasions where Jesus actually commends the person's faith in such a direct way. Now, often he'll say, your faith has made you well, your faith, go in peace, your faith has made you whole. Um, but here he's saying, no, this is, this is really impressive. This guy is a standout man of faith. He, nobody in Israel is like this guy. That, that's quite a commendation of the individual, and re- you're right, it's kind of a slam on the Jewish people. Yeah, and I just, I just booked this on a Sunday a few weeks ago or months ago sometime recently, uh, that Jesus was amazed. I think that's cool that the the Lord of the universe, the God of everything, had this amazement. I mean, the word that's used there is kind of, it's only used twice in the New Testament, and it's both in response to people's faith. That Jesus is in awe. He's amazed at like, yeah, that's that's what I'm looking for right there. That's what I want is this trust and belief and faith in me. Um, it's amazing. It's it's. It's for us, we're like, oh, this amazing grace is the thing that like doesn't make sense to us, and it's amazing, and, and the thing that amazes Jesus is when we trust him, like, unconditionally, no strings attached. I know you can do this. I know you will. This, I'm putting my faith and putting my trust in you. Uh, Jesus is like, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I want, and this guy got it. Yeah, and uh, back to, like, the physical posture thing, this guy knows it happens, and then he, he leaves. Right, he has a confidence. Like Jesus says, your guy's going to be healed. It's done at this very moment, and the Roman soldier goes, "Okay, it's done." And then he physically leaves. Right, and then it might help me if I'm incorrect here. Other accounts are like someone met him halfway, 
Yes. And wrote, give him a report at this hour. And they're like, that's when Jesus said it would happen. Yep. So he followed up. James hits this very thoroughly in, in his letter that our faith is made complete when we take action on it. Like they go together hand in hand and we try to separate them, but they're one thing. The guy can't just sit there and go, okay, Jesus, you said it's happening, but are you really sure? Like, how do you, do you know, like, is it done? Is there a way we could tell right now? Can you, you know what I mean? Which is doubt, skepticism, which we do. Like, okay, God, you said you'll provide, but can you show me like a little bit? Like it's in route. Can I see where the package is? Can I track that sucker? Is it delayed? Is it, when's it supposed to be here Friday? Which is most of our world that we live in. But this guy goes, okay. It's done, and he turns and goes. I think it goes back to that physical posture thing where his spirit and his physical body were more in sync. No doubt. Um, and the the comment here in verse 8 says the centurion actually, though he did not kneel physically, he was kneeling in his heart. He says, he says Lord, I don't even deserve to have you come under my roof. I would be ashamed to have you in my home. I, I, you are too good and I'm so not good I just would be uncomfortable to have you in in my home that's humility that's that's bowing in his heart that's acknowledging who Jesus is and who he himself is at this point yeah and and again this the, the beauty and the depth of what Matthew is doing here with these stories in this certain way is so lost on us, but he talks about it from a, a physical leper standpoint, and now he's doing it from a cultural standpoint, from a centurion, which is a, a non-Jewish soldier, and Jesus wouldn't, shouldn't be talking to this guy as a Jewish, um, you know, leader and a teacher, and so he's talking about all of these things, this physical posture with the leper, and this physical idea with the disease, now he's talking about this cultural, um, you know, bias and different things between these things and the the fact that this guy is coming to Jesus and posturing himself spiritually and um, culturally in front of him as, hey, I need your help, which is a taboo in and of itself there. And so Matthew speaking of these things in these instances is showing Jesus's authority over all of these areas, all of these realms, and his, his power and authority and lordship and kingship is over everything, physical, yep. spiritual, cultural, race, gender, all of these things. He's doing this in a very um, succinct and specific way that we just think are cool stories, which are, but they speak l- deeper and broader than we tend to think as Absolutely. people. Yeah, people avoided lepers, but Jesus touched one and healed him. People despised the Romans because they were an oppressive military uh, presence. They were occupying uh, Palestine, their, their land. And, uh, and yet Jesus talks to this guy and then commands him and then heals his servant. So it, he's, he's blowing all the cultural norms right out of the old water. It's, it's great. And then uh, down in the chapter, right, teacher of the law, verse 19, again, more of a guy who's on the inside, quote unquote, with God, comes to him and says, I'm, I'm with you wherever you go. And Jesus going, really? Yeah, your life is pretty secure and you got a home and stability and a 401k and a job. Like, and he goes, I'm on the move and I got this kingdom thing. No, we don't really know for sure the guy's response and all that kind of stuff, but you kind of get, um, you know, another disciple came to him and said, let me bury my father first. Like, let me just finish out my life and inheritance and then I'm with you. And he's like, nah, you got you to gotta jump on now. So it's kind of understood maybe that guy had a really hard time, the lack of faith, the lack of confidence, the lack of trust, that God will take care of you and that following Jesus is far greater than whatever else we got going on. So it's in contrast to mm-hmm. the to the leper and to the centurion. When I was a brand new Christian, um, this idea here of just jumping and going whenever Jesus said, uh, was it made sense to me. It was normal. I was a single guy. Uh, very young, and and I would hitchhike here, or I would go there, I would sign up to go to Europe with YWAM, I went to Mexico with YWAM, I went off to Bible college, and I didn't think anything of it. And then as the years have come and gone, I've gotten more and more secure, you know, uh, family you and You get home, these kids, and, and man, the kids, they just drag and grandkids, and life, and now it's like, would, if Jesus just said jump and go, like, would I jump and go? I mean, like, not just on a short-term mission thing, that's one thing, but because then I can come back to my security. It's one of the things that I respect so much about Gary and Paula Hayes, who started Think Small, the organization I'm working with, um, because they were living a very comfortable life. 
They had two incomes, no kids, living on the east side of the Seattle area, Bellevue, Kirkland. Uh, bought a really nice home, had really secure jobs, nice cars, all that. Went on a vacation to Thailand, and God spoke to them there, and they came back. They sold their cars, sold their house, and went, and, and, and they thought they were going to come back in a couple years. And the Lord had other plans. And now, 17 years later, over 800,000 people have been reached for Christ. And, I mean, there's stuff going on this week in the country of Chad and in the country of Nepal as we're launching teams there. And and people, the, the, the Christians, the leadership of churches there are just getting serious about reaching out to the lost and helping them avoid human trafficking, drugs and alcohol, the, the whole thing, and introducing them to Christ in the process. All that happened because they were willing to go. Yeah, but I mean, this, I, I think of that too. This is the type of hyperbole that Jesus used that in in the original audience would have been like, say, what? Like, you're asking us what? I mean, like, this, I, I was reading through and studying this passage a little bit this week, and the, the idea, like, this was a, a very significant, like, responsibility of someone to bury the dead of a relative, right? Like, this was a, like, a big deal. Like, this was one of the most important, like, sacred duties that took precedence over any other commitments that you had. Like, you drop everything for this. It's that big of a deal. It's, it's, it's family and it's all this kind of stuff. And, uh, again, this is the same type of thing where Jesus says, hey, if you're following me, you're hating your father and your mother. Right? You're, you're hating. The, the comparison of I am the most important thing and I'm asking for that type of allegiance, that faith, again, that amazed me is, is what it takes. And so if you're focused on these other things, you're missing the point. And he uses these things, I think, as, as kind of hyperbolic statements to get people to go, wait, what? You're saying you're more important than the most sacred commitment of our community? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I am that important. Yeah, and it's, it's the times Paula and Gary and these times where we're looking at their whole life and um, there's action not this guy just not a theory of like his action choice was like no let me take care of my family because that is super high and jesus says there's something higher take action on that james 2 was talking about abraham offering his son isaac to on the altar verse 22 you see his faith and his actions work together his actions made his faith complete down to verse 24 so you see we are shown to be right with god by what we do not by faith alone that they go together there's a there's a completion there and there's a, there's a, back to what we were talking about earlier, there's that connection between our life. We understand this, like in a little kid's life, um, if they get, like, their feelings hurt and they get sad, like their physical body changes, their head goes down, right? And you can just tell and there's, like, a shame or whatever or embarrassment. And we will come alongside a little kid and say, hey, lift your head up. Like, raise your head. Like, it's going to be all right. We're going to be okay. Let's, let, let's get back in it. And why do we do that? Because there's a connection between our spirit and our emotions and our physical body. We were at Olivia's track meet yesterday. She's doing the hurdles. She did great, by the way, in case anybody's tracking at home. <laughs> Proud tracking dad the moment. track meet? Yeah, I'm tracking it. And in one of the heats, uh, not Olivia's heat, different heat, uh, There's, I think there's 10, 10 hurdles in the 100. And second hurdle in, this gal, uh, it was a heat, later heat, so they're not as fast, so they're not as maybe accomplished hurdler. Second hurdle, catches the whole hurdle, literally falls face down, like, and was down, and then a couple other kids are going, and my first thought was like, oh, she's she's really hurt, she's out, and she had glasses on. I was like, oh, man, maybe she, and this is all split second, but I'm like, oh, she's done. She's just going to, that looks bad. And Amy fell last week at practice hurdling. And she hurt her hand. She hurt really her hand bad. severely. Yep. Anyways, I'm like, ah, she rallies, she gets up and fixes her glasses and takes off. And that all took like a second. It was very quick. But as soon as she got up and her physical body, you know, she demonstrated her spirit was different, like she wanted to finish, everybody in the stands started cheering. Like she was probably last on the list for times, right, overall. But Dang, I all, thought I thought you were getting there. She came back and she, and she won. She got oh, the gold medal. Wait for it, she, dude. The hurdles you can't even bump on your your toes. Like I, what, you, she was. You out. set it up as like it was like the later heat. They weren't that great. I thought this you, is real life and not a movie. Like, <laughs> this is, the way you were going, I'm like, I'm on the edge. No, but man. it's back <laughs> to too. our famous talk celebrating. Like we all celebrated her 
rallyness. Her yep. gill get em, get yep. her done. Rallyness. Yeah. That's a R A L L. But we literally like we're applauding her over the third hurdle, the fourth hurdle. We're cheering for her. We didn't care about those other kids that kept going. No, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Why do we do I that? I know exactly what because you're saying. Because we're seeing their their faith and their action together. Mm-hmm. Like it would be totally understandable too if she was like, I just hurt my whole body. Like Amy couldn't feel her left hand for like a day after falling on one hurdle. So we would have understood as a community too, like I hurt myself. I can't go over eight more hurdles. And she walked off. We would have been like, that's understandable. But we applaud that. We celebrate that. And the same with like following Jesus when someone's like, I'm going to quit everything, my life, my job. I'm going to follow Jesus in this way because it's what God's saying to us. And even in smaller things where you take action on, you know, your faith and it's coupled with your action. And we celebrate that because that's the way of Jesus. It's a image bearing of God thing. We go, hey, and our spirit says to, to, to that action going, this is the right thing. That's awesome. We should have more of that. So I, I love that that moment yesterday and when people rally uh, around who God is and have a confidence in him because he came to take away our infirmities and carry our diseases, our sicknesses, our healing. Spiritually, number one, physically, you know, we're in a tent. Everybody's got a tent right now. Uh, one day we'll get a, a real body that'll last forever, but... Um, hopefully today's been helpful for you if you're listening in to have more confidence more trust in God more faith um, whatever you're asking him for know that he's got you he's who can provide for all of your needs he's a good God um, we're forgiven for our sins all of our future sins past sins that we continue to not uh, don't don't give up don't give up on having confidence in God and what he can do in your life and that we will keep trusting in him so hopefully you have a good week Uh, faith building week following Jesus and we'll check in with you next time